Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology. Because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life, that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. Um, we have the privilege of having Jen Haramio share with us this morning. So would you come on up here? Get on up. Get up. Yeah, so Father, we just thank you for Jen. God, we're so excited. Um, I just freshly declare over um, our, our church this word that you want to share through her. Uh, you, you shared it with me, you shared it with Jen, and then you happened to line it up that we would be sitting in the same place at the perfect time. And, and it, oh, Lord, we're, we're excited. We're excited. So, Holy Spirit, would you speak through Jen this morning? You've got a word you want to release to us. You've got truth you want us to grab a hold of. You've got direction for each of our lives. And we're hungry for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everyone, would you invite Jen one more time? Uh, basically, what you just heard is Ben say, if I say anything wrong, blame him. Uh, okay, hold on. Okay, so if you... Uh, there's a lot of new faces. It's really exciting. Uh, I have to first start off by saying thank you. Um, that's all I can say or else I'll get super emotional about it. But um, thank you for loving me well in the season I've been in. Um, it just wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for all of your prayers and love and support. So... Again, I'm just going to stop before I start writing. Okay. Um, oh, it's a little weird being back up here. Uh, mostly because the last time, I don't want to talk about Christmas ornaments. Sorry. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, the last time I was up here, I was actually uh, having to sit down because I was so sick. And uh, so, yeah, um, I hope... You don't mind, but I just kind of want to jump in because I don't know how else to do it. Um, so if that's okay, is that okay? Yes. Okay, all right, cool. Um, so uh, God has really been putting something on my heart for a while. However, I am typically a person who has to go through something in order for God to actually say, do you get it now? Um, and so I just kind of want to share with you what God's been sharing with me in the season I've been in. Is that Okay. Okay, all right, so um, God has really been putting it on my heart and has really been opening my eyes to uh, something that's been a movement that's been kind of happening in the church where uh, we've gone back to a place of placing more value on religion over relationship. 
Um, meaning that I've started to see a majority of the church start to err on the side of religion over love. And um, it's kind of happened rather subtly, you know? And I know, okay, I'm going to start it off this way. I know a bunch of us were like, what is she, like, she going to say? And like, she's already wrong. Okay, however, yeah, <laughs> I love you, Lisha. Anyway, I'm kidding. I love you so much. I love you so much. Anyway, okay, focus. Um, however, I, I, think any, I, I think it's fair to say that anybody who really knows me would say that I value my relationship with God. Uh, uh, I mean, I value my relationship with God. It is everything about me. Uh, it is the reason I am who I am. I'm, when I say I'm only here by God's grace, I mean it in every sense of every possibility of every stupid decision I have ever made. Um, and yet, if someone would have told me that I valued religion over God, I would have told them they were crazy. Uh, but a little over a month ago, I literally found myself face down, crying out to God, asking for forgiveness for my religious heart. And um, here's why. For those of you who might kind of not know, uh, in July of last year, I was diagnosed with stage two endometrial cancer. It meant that I went through a radical hysterectomy, complications from the hysterectomy, uh, chemo, radiation. However, by the end of October, I was given a clean bill of health. And yeah, yeah, too bad it didn't stay that way. Uh, but it was really an exciting time because I was able to get back into what I was doing and I was like super stoked. Um, and I did start feeling better, but I wasn't feeling quite right. And at the beginning of this year, I went back to the doctors, and immediately it kind of just snowballed. Uh, tests, exams, scans, and um, cancer in my right and left lung later. Um, my diagnosis changed from stage two to stage four, and my prognosis changed from curative to terminal. And... Um, it was kind of crazy. We waited for months to be told that nobody was willing to touch me to biopsy anything because they were worried about collapsing my lungs. Um, and it just was rough. But there was a, oh gosh, don't get emotional. There was, thank you. Uh, but there was this particular um, doctor's appointment that I went to that just kind of, uh, I mean, there's no other word to say, but it just broke me. Um, I went to the surgeon down in Huntsman Cancer Institute in Salt Lake, and he was explaining that they would be removing um, the upper right portion of my lung, a majority of the upper left portion of my lung. I would most likely end up on oxygen the rest of my life. And um, this is when, like, he specifically said, like, I know you talk, for like a living, um, I don't know how much of that's gonna happen. And I remember just looking at him, and I don't even know, well, I know why it sparked it, but I looked at him and was like, and singing? And he just shook his head and I, I broke. I remember coming out of the building and my mom and sister picked me up and I just got in the car and cried, I couldn't even talk to them. Um, to put it in perspective, when they told me I was going to lose my ability to have children, which any woman in here can tell you is not the greatest thing to hear, 
I like walked into the surgeon's office expecting to leave with a surgery date. I was like, get it out of me. I did. When they told me I might not be able to do ministry or worship anymore, I, it broke me. Um, because it took me a long time to get right with God. Uh, this is 11 years of me fighting to be where I am today. And, um, and in a span of 10 minutes, a doctor told me that as much as I had fought to get where I am, I would no longer be able to do what God had designed me to do. Um, I had lost my entire identity. I felt like I, I lost everything. What was the point? Everybody was so sad about me dying, and I thought, well, good, what's the point? Like, what, what's the point of living when, I, when everything that I was designed to do just got taken away? And, uh, and worthlessness just ravaged me. Like, I, I can't even explain. Um, however, as you see, I'm not on oxygen, and I'm actually walking around and able to breathe and talk. Um, and that is because the day before I was supposed to schedule my surgery, I found out we could do radiation. Um, it wasn't as sure of a thing as uh, surgery, but uh, I was going to take it if it meant not losing my lungs. And so I did. And, but there was still the chance that it might not have worked or it didn't get all of the tumors. Or, um, and so, however, six weeks ago, about... Um, we found out that the tumors were dead and radiation worked. Yeah, praise God. Um, and in that doctor's appointment that I found that out, when I say that it felt like I came back to life, it literally felt like I took a breath and my heart breathed for the first time, my heart beated for the first time in the longest time. And like, it was like immediately coming out of this fog. Um, but coming out of that fog, there was a realization that happened that my relationship with God had been damaged. And it had been damaged because I had started to place more value on what I would no longer be able to do for God than valuing the relationship that I had with him that he just wanted me to just sit in a moment of being his daughter, you know? And if you would have told me that that would have happened, I really would have told you you're crazy because God is like my best friend. We're homies. Like, I talk to him about everything. I like, he is. I, I think anybody who knows me would tell you that really God is like my everything. And here I was placing what I couldn't no longer do over the fact that God just wanted to be there with me. And the sad thing is, is that when we do that, we really start to walk away from God's heart. See, because the very person of God is relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I mean, the very fiber of God's being is found in relationship. The very gospel message, the very uh, walk of being a Christ follower, it's all found and based on relationship and the love of God, all of it. I mean... Not for nothing, but I found this a little hard when I started seeing all the people God used in the Bible. Because I was like, 
you know that person's like a liar, right? And like he's kind of a manipulator. And then God was like, yeah, but look, they're going to be the king of Israel and they're going to be a man after my own heart and an amazing worship leader. It didn't matter who they were in action. God saw their heart and he used them based on the relationship they were willing to have with him. You know, David might have done some stupid stuff, but the minute the prophet Nathan came to him, he repented because he wanted God's heart. He made a mistake, but he came back to God immediately. What's funny is not even Jesus, according to religion, was good enough to be the Messiah, right? Like, according to religion, if Jesus was the Messiah, he would have followed all the laws according to how the teachers understood them. Instead, Jesus said, unless you surpass the righteousness of the teachers of the law, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. According to religion, Jesus was supposed to be a mighty warrior, Don was wrong. And instead, he calls himself a doctor for the sick. You know what? Uh, what's that Ridge movie? It's a Ridge, uh, something Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge, that, thank you, Kelly. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge, right? Like, they were like making fun of him because he doesn't want to carry a gun. And they're like, oh, you shouldn't be able to do this. Blah, blah, blah. And then he saves them all. Very, I feel like that's very Jesus-esque, you know what I'm saying? You know, anyway, the fact is, if Jesus had followed religion, the gospel would have never happened. Okay. Okay, see, these are moments where I'm like, okay, God, are you sure? Are you positive? Are you really sure? Are you really positive? I'm just going to blame you. Okay, all right. Um, church, we've gotten to a place where we start wondering why the world is getting further and further away from God, and I have a feeling it's has a lot to do with the church's heart these days. See, because if we don't understand love, we can't understand relationship. And I feel like people, the church and world alike, has started to believe very dangerous lies about love. The three most dangerous ones that I think everyone's really gotten into is that, one, love is a feeling. Two, love is supposed to be easy. And if it's not those things, you just cut it off. You just cut it off and move on to the next. However, we read a Bible verse that says the exact opposite of that, just to be honest with you, right? And I think we read this all the time, but I don't know how often we actually, like, absorb what it says. Because in my Bible, it says, Love is patient and kind, does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful, does not rejoice, that's a lot of stuff, okay, does not rejoice in wrongdoing, rejoices with the truth, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. Love is not a feeling. As a matter of fact, very often we do not feel like doing what is required to love another person. Uh, me and my dad had a very rough relationship uh, growing up because we were polar opposites. Um, and uh, at about 25, I had made the decision to start truly healing my life. And uh, my dad was a huge part of that. But I would have these epic meltdowns because I just could not 
handle what was going on around me. And every time I had these epic meltdowns, my dad would try to like process it with me, but he was a fixer. So it was like, I would be sobbing, crying, and he'd be like, Miha, we need to make a list of what you need to do. If you stop crying right now, then it would help. Your crying's not helping anything. Well, why are you still crying? Maybe you just need to get up. Why don't you just get up, and let's go make a list, and if we make a list of what you need to get done, then you can get it done, and then you won't feel this way. And I was like, <gasps> and so I remember one time, and it was because my counselor was telling me I need to communicate more. Um, I got up, and I like yelled at my dad. And I was like, Dad, I know. I know, I know, I know these things. If you want to help me, when I am like this, I just need you to hug me and tell me it's going to be okay. So one day I'm having one of these epic meltdowns in the car. I'm on the phone with my dad. And he's like, okay, I'm waiting outside. So I pull up to like this uh, concrete area we had outside of our house. And I pull up there and I see my dad and I get out. And I'm kind of grudgingly going over because he has his arms out. And I'm like, oh, because I'm waiting for the list of to-dos, you know? And my dad grabs me and he said, Miha, you're going to be okay. And I collapsed on the concrete with, and my dad with me. And I think I was out there for like 45 minutes or an hour and my dad just kept whispering in my ear like, Miha, you're going to be okay. There's nothing we can't do. It's going to be fine. Do you know, church, that the thing I miss the most about my dad are those hugs and him whispering in my ear, telling me it's going to be okay. He did not feel like doing that. I guarantee you there's a million things on a to-do list in his head. I promise you there was. He made the choice to love me. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice. And because it's a choice, it's not easy. I'm just going to be honest with you. Anytime I'm told like I can't do something or that I'm wrong, I... I might get slightly irritable and resentful just a little bit. There's, there's normally like a, oh, fine. But then I come around. It's very short-lived, okay? But there is there. And if you, you know what? If you say that you don't, even in the little bits, get like, oh, can I not? I really want to do that. You're lying. Thank you. I love you. Um... You know what I'm saying? All of us get like that a little bit, right? When we don't get what we want. And I'm sorry, but if you are telling me that you are continuously patient with someone you love, again, liar. Okay? We're not going to be lying in this house of God. Right? Love is not easy. It is challenging. And when it's challenging, you don't just get to cut it off. That's not how it works. Because like God, love never ends. Love, God, God, love, right? Love doesn't end. Ask people who have been divorced. That's why it's so damaging. It doesn't end like that. That's not what happens. But see, religion has come into our church in such a subtle way, and it's starting to create a us and them mentality. I think Pastor Ben talked about this. Right? We're right, they're wrong, we're good, they're bad. The minute we get that way, we play right into religion's hands. 
Because I don't know about you, but I can't talk to nobody about anything without them being able to point like a billion hands back at me and being like, and you, you know what I'm saying? And if you don't believe me, we'll go another route. The Bible says, Jesus says, that they're going to know us by our love, right? The world will know us by our love. How do non-believers see the church? If you were to go out and ask a non-believer if they think a Christian is loving and kind, I guarantee about 95 to 99.99999% of them would say no. You want to know why? Because we act from a place of religion and then we use a bunch of Bible verses to justify it. And then we say things like, well, I was just being honest. No, you weren't. You were being hurtful. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times and places, okay? Jesus got a little saucy in the Bible too, okay? But we do those things with permission from the Holy Spirit. And we do those things with love and kindness and with the heart to help transformation. We don't do it because we really want to tell them and we really think they need to know our opinion. And the place we're seeing this right now in the most, er the biggest area, politics. Some of you just cringed right now. I know, fair, fair enough. But it's crazy to me because, again, I don't know. I'm just going to say my Bible because I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong and it's not in yours. But in my Bible, it says that God puts in power those he chooses to put in power. Yet we have the audacity to judge people who they voted for. Uh, just so you know, God was going to put in power who he wanted in power. We act as if we know his plans. We have no idea. And yet we degrade people and we belittle people. And then do it in God's name. Wow. How else was he going to get Jesus crucified? <laughs> I actually have that right here. I do in my notes. I can show you. Right? Because the same people who do that also are like, come on, speak up. We need to let our voices be heard. Do you know who else did that? The Jews in Jesus' time. Come on, guys. That's why he, they were so mad at him. Jesus wasn't speaking up against Rome. Jesus wasn't taking on Rome. Why wasn't he speaking up against Rome? That, nope, that can't be our Messiah. No, it's because he had more important things to do. And it gets us to a place where we won't even admit we're wrong anymore. God forbid we apologize to a homosexual or an atheist or a drug addict for not loving them well. Instead, people hold up signs saying God hates gays. What? Church, I believe we've also lost a little bit of fear of God, but that's just my opinion. You know, something I've heard a lot recently. Thank you. Uh, something I've heard a lot recently that people have been quoting uh, is, you know, the Bible says that if God's people would just repent. And I laughed. Somebody had said this, and I said, oh, 
so you've been repenting more, huh? And they looked at me and they said, no, talking about the world. Okay, I'm glad you guys laughed because I thought I might have been mistaken for a minute. But I couldn't believe it because here is this person who is so deluded that even though they read those words and said them out of their mouth, they excluded themselves. Well, apparently, we're no longer the people of God on this side. Church, it starts with us. We have failed. The, tr- the world does not know us by our love. They can tell us everything we're against. They can tell us every sin that we will condemn them for. I'm sure they have a list. <sighs> for real. I'm sad to say it, but I think part of it is that we're the problem and we don't even realize it. And just so you know, I include myself in this. You know what helped me, though? There's a Bible verse that scares the crap out of me. Crud out of me scares me a lot. I wasn't going to read it, but I have my Bible here, so I'm going to. It is Matthew, we're in Matthew 7. It's the end of uh, Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. We're in verse 21, but he says, uh, not, this is Jesus talking. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I, Jesus, will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I want you to take a minute And imagine getting up to heaven, seeing the gates, starting to skip your way up to Jesus because you see him and you're excited. And of course, we've done and said all the right things, right? And just to walk up and him say, I never knew you. (sighs) Church, if that did not put a little bit of like, oh, in you, then we need to have a real conversation later. Because we're no longer coming from a place that we could possibly be wrong. But we could be. Church, we need to start moving back to a place of relationship and love if we expect to be able to lead others into a place of relationship and love with God. The only way to do that is is by prioritizing the correct relationships. And Jesus tells us us what they are. Um, I love this because where we're at is Jesus has been tested by all the teachers, and he's just slamming them. He's just shutting them up, like left and right, right? So it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And I love that Jesus doesn't even answer it with one. He says two. Like, he doesn't do anything that they ask him, like, ever. (laughs) It's funny. Anyway, okay. Um, And then he, Jesus, says to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Church, all the law and the prophets depend on three vital relationships. God first, ourselves second, others third. See, because here's the deal. God is the God of order. And when we are able to put those relationships in that correct order, life gets to flow from God to others, and we get to be the conduit. That's the way it's, it's meant to be. But it starts with putting God first and valuing a relationship above all else. But in order to do that, we got to stop doing things just because we're told to do them. That is religion. You know, one of the greatest ways to get to know God is Bible time. But if you're going to do it just to do it because you're told to do it, don't do it. Did I? Did you? Okay. Okay. I get, I really feel blessed that I get to meet with Pastor Ben once a week and I get to talk theology. And here's what I love about it. I want to know everything. I am pretty sure he gets so annoyed with me because I'm like, wait, but I don't understand this and I really want to know this. It has nothing to do with what we were originally were talking about. But in my mind, it just connects and I want to know everything. Because that's, that's the way I get to know God. Like, I want to know him. I want to know him. How do we have a relationship with somebody we don't know? Right? Yet a lot of us know a lot more about our best friend than we know about God. We treat our Bible time as it's something we have to do. You don't have to do anything. God will not force anything on you because that is not love. And our God is a God of love. However, if you want to get to know him, that's a really good place to start. Prayer time. You know, the Bible says that as we draw near to God, God draws near to us. If we're willing to seek, we will find. But if we're not really seeking with a heart to seek, and what we're doing is just doing it so we can say that we read our Bible or we had prayer time this week, then it is just pointless. It's, I think the way the Bible says it's just the sounding of a gong and a rusted gate. It's nothing. And prayer time has become that. Yet when we see Jesus talk to God, he goes off by himself. You don't know until Gethsemane. And then you listen to the conversation. I know it sounds really good in the Bible, but I have a feeling because Jesus is literally dripping blood from his face that he is extremely anxious. And the conversation is more like, God, okay, Father, I know. Okay, can we just talk about this? Can we just have a conversation? Can we please, if there's any way, Lord, God, I'm, okay, come on. Like, let's, let's like think this through all the way. You know? Yeah. I think the disciples kind of made it nice and prettier. But Jesus had real relationship with his father. That was a conversation. Prayer time needs to get back to an intimate place. An intimate place where we're talking to our father and our friend. If we really want relationship with God, we need to start making quality time instead of quantity time. God doesn't want to spend meaningless time with you. 
I mean, he'll take it because he loves you that much. But there's more. There's so much more. God is so much more. See, because when we really start to build that relationship with God, we end in a place where we get transformed. There's no way around that. God transforms. That's what he does. And as we continue to build into our new creation, we get to start to build relationship with ourselves, and we get to settle in an identity of us and who we are in God. Church, that's what happened. I got so focused on what I was no longer going to be able to do that I lost sight of my identity. Yeah, ministry is a big deal to me, and worship is my heart language with God. Singing has been that for as long as I can remember. But that is not who I am. I am a daughter first. And I lost that. Because relationship with ourselves actually starts with relationship with God. Because as we build that relationship, we start learning who God says we are. We start learning who God says we aren't. And we get to a place of honesty with God where we can come with our failures and we can come with our weakness and we can repent and change when we need to. I think a lot of the times the church doesn't do that, though, is that there's a huge lack of unforgiveness or a huge lack of forgiveness that the world has just placed on everyone. And so when we have to admit we made a mistake, it means we also have to forgive ourselves and we kind of suck at it. We're not good at it. I'm trying, y'all. But here's the cool thing is that as we build a relationship with God and as we're transformed and as we start to settle in our identity and as we are renewed by our daily walk with being in relationship with God, we start to be able to love others well. We find ourselves erring on the side of love again. We start thinking in love. We start speaking in love. We start acting in love. We, we gain an encouragement that, and, and a reminder that God has the desire for all of his children to be with him in eternity, not just the people in this building. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, and Barabbas too. As we build relationship with ourselves, we start being able to hear the heart of others. Not their actions, but hear their heart. When they say they're fine, to be able to look at them and say, no, you're not, liar. <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what comes with having these relationships in this order is relationship where we continue now to spread the real gospel message. Because when it comes down to it, it's love. And again, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that the conversations are always going to be sparkly and like super happy and rainbows and sunshine. My friends can tell you 
That is not the conversations all the time. Okay? But I promise you that my heart is to love well. And that is where our hearts need to be. And church, even I'm not saying this like a you do, like you guys need to do this. I'm saying we. We. We've gotten to a place where we don't even hold each other accountable. We're, we can easily tell the world where they're sinning and what they're doing wrong, but we watch a Christian speak horribly to another human being and we say, well, they were just having a bad day. Okay, and they were wrong. And, like, repent and move on. That's the problem is we've expected them to repent. It needs to start with us. Church, the Bible says, God says, the world will know us by our love. And if they don't, that is on us, not them. Because love flows from relationship. Because that's who God is. When we build a relationship with God, we allow his love to transform our lives and it allows love to flow down to others. And that's what God asks us to do. Like at the very minimum, just love others. A new commandment, love others as I love you. When we build relationship with God and as we spend time with him, love's gonna become our heart's desire. Because the more you spend time with a person, the more you become more like them. I heard something in business, and they used to say, you take the five people you hang around the most, you average them out, and that's who you're going to be. I really, really hope that, like, I lean on the side of God. Does that make sense? We have to get back to a place where we're willing to repent when we're wrong and admit it. Because I'm sorry to tell you this, you're not perfect. For real. <laughs> and it's okay. You're, it's just not going to happen on this side of heaven. So be okay with the fact that you're going to make mistakes. See, because it's not the mistakes that separate us from God. It's our unwillingness to repent for those mistakes. Because you said it. It's not falling it's about the getting up. It's about the getting up, church. And I think what's happening is we're falling a lot these days and we're getting up more and more bruised. And hurt people hurt people. We got to realize, like, you need to make a choice to understand that it's going to be challenging and it's not going to be easy. But that's who we are. That's who we said we're going to be. Can we walk out of this building choose to, choosing to err on the side of love? Amen. Yeah. 
Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. That's all I got. Amen. Well, would you guys stand with me as we uh, come, to, come to a close? Really, we don't want to leave here without being transformed. And so we need to, to grab a hold of this. Are we, are we paying attention to the people around us? Are we engaging with them in love? Are we addressing our, our own lives? Like, there's something that we need to grab from this. And so let's just park there for a minute. Father, we come before you and we say, show us. We, we want to continue to be shaped into the image of Jesus. And we believe that it is a part of your role, Holy Spirit, to bring conviction to our lives. And it is our role to continue to submit by the renewing of our minds to bring that transformation. And so, Father, we, we just we yield this morning. There's been so much this morning about yielding. I, I, I just, you, you realize that's a key of discipleship, right? It's repetition. God's repeating it. Yield this morning. So don't leave here without letting God know that I hear you and I'm laying it down. So, Father, I pray right now for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit over all of your people. God, I pray for love to erupt in our hearts, love from you because you are the example of love, love in us and love towards others. Father, I pray this. Send us out. Give us practical ways this week to bring that transformation by your power and by your love. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us. If you have been blessed by Rise Church, be sure to follow us and share it on your social media. You can subscribe to a podcast, and if you haven't had a chance to give yet, you can do so at risechurchid.org or send a text message with a cash amount to the number 84321. And remember that the mission field is all around you, so go in the power of Jesus and bring that transformation for His glory.